Want to build a thriving business while making a much bigger impact in the world by becoming known as an influential voice in your industry? The choice versus just a choice with your ideal client? That's exactly what you're going to learn as I interview business experts, industry thought leaders, and entrepreneurs who are in the trenches making their mark so you can too. This is the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode. Joining me on today's show is Brady Jensen. Brady is a versatile professional who has navigated the world of tech, product marketing, and entrepreneurship, and that's tech sales. Now, notably, he was named Inside Sales Rep of the Year at Jive Software, showcasing his innate sales talents. Yet Brady's passion for product marketing was always constant. So if you're a product marketer or even a service-based business, the things that Brady is going to talk about today are relevant for you. Now, his career journey unveiled a glaring issue, a trust deficit between sales and marketing teams stemming from a misalignment with external market realities. Now, in response to this, Brady founded Aggregate Insights back in 2018. Now, on today's show, Brady is going to share insights on getting sales and marketing on the same page. So very important. He's going to talk about why primary market insights matter, as well as why sales and marketing need a single source of truth, of market truth. So welcome to the show, Brady. Hi, thanks for having me. I started off the show by sharing some of the insights that you want to talk about today, but I'd love to ask, what was it that led you down the path of where you are today? Have you always been um, interested in sales and marketing? Was it something that you recognized you had a talent with? What was that story and journey for you? Yeah, I think very early on uh, in my career, I I held a lot of sales roles and Part of that was, I guess, the path of least resistance because I found out early that I could sell pretty well and could uh, convince people to buy, especially things that I truly believed in. So it was a great fit to start. Um, It really led me to where I am now, which is the position of someone who can, uh, I guess, commiserate with sales folks, but also know a whole lot about the marketing side and work to bridge those two organizations that sometimes can seem to be so involved in a civil war internally between the two as they both seek to drive revenue for companies. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, It's interesting that during the introduction, we mentioned, you know, there is a trust deficit between sales and marketing teams. And we know as businesses, one of the things that we must do in our messaging, in our interactions with potential clients is to build trust. So isn't it interesting that even internally within an organization, if there's a trust deficit there, how on earth are we going to unite it? Um, continue to build trust, you know, with our audience. So uh, I'm looking forward to to, uh, seeing what you share today. So let's dive in. What are some of the insights that you can share that will help us as organizations get our sales and marketing on the same page? What do we need to know? Yeah, from my perspective, sales and marketing needs a bit of a mediator. And uh, that's not someone in sales. It's not someone in marketing. It's the actual buyers in market right? There's a lot of opinions that uh, people can hold about how to go about selling, how to go about marketing. And oftentimes what I've seen in my career is 
sales uh, doesn't really understand or trust the process that got marketing to a point where they're out there saying, here's what you should pitch. Here's what you should talk about with buyers. Here's the language you should use. The sales folks say, yeah, yeah, well, I've got my system and it works for me. Uh, and I'm not really sure about your system. And they tend to go off the rails and do whatever uh, they think has worked for them in the past. Uh, meanwhile, marketers get real frustrated because nobody stays on message and nobody's willing to, uh, to, to, I guess, stick with what they're trying to get the team to do long enough to prove or disprove uh, whether or not that's true. And from my perspective, that has a lot to do with a glaring reality here, which is marketing teams oftentimes jump from idea to execution without validating what they think will be the right course of action. So when I was a young salesperson, I remember all the all this senior tenured sales reps kind of joking about the mark. Here comes the marketing team. They're about to tell us what to do, uh, but they didn't bring receipts and they didn't show any sort of validation from the market, who is that mediator between the two that everyone is willing to listen to. Everyone is interested in understanding what the market has to say, where no one's all that interested in someone opining about their certain pet idea or hypothesis that hasn't yet been proven out by the market. So the old way of doing things was marketing put together a bunch of creative stuff. Sales got to go test it in real time, which at huge expense to the company, and then mm -hmm. find out if you're right. You know, and and they would say, you know, let us know how it goes and we'll adjust it over time. Well, that works sometimes in the smallest of companies uh, where there's not so much to lose. But as soon as you have a sales organization that's out there selling, you're not just losing the by the fact that you've got all these sellers who aren't making sales happen because the marketing hasn't uh, landed right with them, but you're giving up all this upside of the revenue that you should be getting if you did that uh, upfront work to make sure that what you have is going to work in market. Uh, and really that's uh, the, the way that we've found it's most successfully done. Sales all of a sudden trusts you because you're talking about what people who they actually want to sell to said uh, in their own words, um, accounts they'd love to break into um, and uh, it's really the secret sauce from my perspective of gaining that trust is by allowing the buyer to be the single source of truth when it comes to uh, your go-to-market strategy. Yeah. What's interesting, as you shared what happened um, previously, and, and I'm going to ask you in a moment, how are we faring now? Are teams, sales and marketing teams, are they cooperating and collaborating better now? And what needs to be done to ensure that? Because we can see that if we take a step back, both teams are working for the one goal, the one objective. And if they continuously are um, you know, there's this friction there, both are going to be inhibited in the way in which they do the job. So I'm hoping that all sales and marketing team are willing to let's sit around the board table and let's let's map this out and what is going to work for both of us so that we can all move forward. 
let me ask you the question first. Are sales and marketing teams getting on board, getting on the same page, or do you find now that companies, the leadership, things have to be in place for the teams to, to come on the same page? How are we faring? I, I think it's a mixed bag. I think there are some organizations that do it well uh, and some who have a lot of uh, opportunity there. I would say the one characteristic that tends to define the two is what are the what are the tailwinds, right? If a company is in a market that's just exploding and no matter how bad you sell or market, you are still swept up in uh, sort of a rocket ship environment, uh, then a lot of teams tend to be super happy with each other and trust that it's working. As soon as you see some uh, amount of resistance, is when people start pointing fingers and people start saying, well, we missed our number because of you. Now, the sad reality is sales and marketing should be ostensibly the closest relationship within an organization, but sales leadership know that they've got a certain amount of time to make this work. Um, marketing leadership know they do as well. And if they don't, somebody's head's going to be on a pike <laughs> and they have to, and they don't want it to be theirs. Right. So instead of trying to think about, Oh, we're in trouble. We're not, we don't actually have a clear path to success here. Let's figure out what that is. They circle their own respective wagons. They start looking at each other um, with, uh, with a lot of mistrust and it's an environment that's hugely corrosive to the organization and it's, it starts from the top, right? The folks who are saying, I'm going to lose my job uh, as a marketer or sales is going to lose their job. All of a sudden, they're not thinking about the here and now and how to fix the problem. They're thinking about how do I preserve my own position at the expense of someone else? Uh, and it plays out in small companies and large companies where these yes. sorts of standoffs become the the norm and in some companies where they've struggled to find the market fit or or potentially re uh discover the market fit um it, this can go on for a number of cycles of we see it all the time here's a chief revenue officer and now he's gone in nine months and there's a new one and then they're gone in nine months and there's a new one and then they switch over and they start letting go of the marketing people because they assume that's the problem where everyone is making assumptions about what the problem is, where uh, your buyer's right there. They can, they can weigh in, they can help you understand, not by asking the question, what are we doing wrong, but what do you need from someone to, to, uh, to buy from them? What are the things that you value so that we can build the right uh, service or product? Uh, and without them weighing in, uh, it's, it's a, it's simply a guess on everyone's side and big personalities win over small personalities. Uh, but it's never really something where, uh, where there's much confidence on any side. Yeah. Um, I would imagine Brady that 
organisations who are listening and whether they are smaller organisations and expanding. And what we often see happen is when you have a smaller business where maybe the CEO and founder of the business can really see that the business is starting to expand and they primarily have had the role perhaps of marketer and maybe even sales, but now they're stepping away from that more into the CEO role. Where the cracks may may appear is that, again, the sales and marketing team um, have not really had clear direction on which way to go and and all of that. And so even in a larger business, someone might be asking, okay, well, we see that there's a tightening marketplace around the globe. We can see what the thing's happening. So I would imagine that a lot of businesses are now looking at whatever we invest in sales or marketing, we have to be very careful of that spend because we can't waste that. So I'm hoping that many businesses are listening today or watching the recording and thinking, all right, Brady, we need to do something to step forward so that we can get on that same page. You mentioned it's so important to get the buyer involved. Um, You know, who better than to give us information about what they're looking for than the actual person that will eventually buy or invest in or purchase our product or, or service. But what is a good place to start? Do we get someone from our sales and marketing team, like heads of that, to come together? And what what is a good process, a step for someone to think, okay, that is a bit of a pathway forward so that we can start to get into place. What Brady has been talking about is so important so that we do work together as an organization and trust each other uh, moving forward. What's a great place to start? Yeah, I mean, ideally that meeting of the minds would happen. Um, it, in my experience, it it rarely does because they're already in their camps and they're sort of looking at each other sideways. What we tend to have happen when we're asked to come in and help support this effort is one side brings us in the other side doesn't really love the idea but they don't hate it because at the same time if we've done our job they know that at least there's going to be some clarity as to where in the organization uh, fixes need to happen Um, but oftentimes it's a it's a sales leader who says i gotta i need data i need to understand what's going on with my buyers they don't talk to me the way that they would talk to a third party, right? Uh, and and that's just uh, the nature of of hu- I guess the hu- nature of human nature is that they're that they protect the egos of all those people involved. One of the things that we do a lot of where we're where we are getting a front seat to this question of what the buyer cares about is doing win loss analysis. It's mm-hmm. something simple. It seems simple, but it's quite hard to pull off, uh, especially programmatically over time. But you're trying to uncover why they made their decision they did. Um, It's rarely simple. It's rarely uh, a single dimensional sort of decision. But what these people will share, if you will ask and, uh, and are curious about it, is all of the different pieces that you didn't you weren't able to see even if you were the person selling this opportunity. So when loss gives you that portal into uh, what are all of the different things that could be adjusted in the go to market to be able to, to actually do it. I don't think it's a great way to 
you know, single out a sales rep or like say they did this one thing wrong or their demeanor wasn't right. But in aggregate, when you look at all the opportunities that you had an opportunity to win uh, and all the opportunities you had an opportunity to win that you lost, you can then start to triangulate and make sense of what are the commonalities between when you are winning and when you're losing. And you'll understand better who you need to go sell to, what you need to sell, how you need to package it up. Um, mm -hmm. Buyer wants to share what they want to buy. Uh, mm -hmm. It's in their best interest. In fact, a lot of these conversations start because we ask them to give us their time so that next time they're out evaluating this particular service or product that they will, uh, that, uh, they will at least have one vendor in the market who's taken their feedback directly into the process. Uh, and, and buyers want that type of um, involvement in the sorts of things that are gonna be put out into market because so many companies rely on internal storytelling and hypotheses and bravado to decide what they're going to bring to market uh, and it falls flat. You see it over and over again with massive consumer and business to business products that are launched uh, to yawns and people saying, that's not what we want. That's not what we are asking from the market. Um, the best way to de-risk de all of this stuff is to constantly be asking those questions. Yes. And that is that word constantly, I think is so important, isn't it? Because uh, markets shift, do, so does consumer purchase behavior and so does their needs shift. So when you're talking about interviewing and connecting with buyers, I would imagine that you as an organization aggregate being that third party, one of the things that you would also find useful is to speak to current clients as well to determine why did they purchase and, and things like that. And, and why I share that and ask for your feedback and you're nodding so this is correct. I've heard this time and time again of, of others who have, you know, businesses who have actually gone and spoken to their current clients. A third party can get a deeper sense because your customers often because they've got a relationship with you, they may feel awkward and sharing some of the information that may be gold and that will inform you. Speak a little bit about the benefit of having a third party do that because there is already a relationship and, and sometimes our customers don't want to hurt our feelings, don't want to you know make the situation awkward, um, but we're missing out on insights that, as you say, can really uh, allow us to shape our message, shape the way that sales is working and, and shape the way that our product and service is continue to be offered that can make a huge difference share a little bit more about your experience yeah i think that there's uh there is a time and place for using non-customer uh, respondents and there's a time and place for customer respondents um the one area that i would say is the best to talk to customers is when you are trying to reduce churn keep people from from leaving um, the fold and and uh, defecting to your competitor. Uh, in a lot of ways, I lean on some early experience in my career as a as a, a customer success person. And in customer success, one thing that I learned very early on is people who told you that they were happy and, but and weren't complaining were actually very 
high risk of churning and leaving the org, leaving the customer base, uh, primarily because as soon as they're saying, yes, we're all good, we don't need to meet with you, we don't need to have conversations with you, they're, they're not engaged anymore. Right? I would much rather have a customer who is feeling like we're on the right track, but they've got some complaints, they've got some things they want us to work on, they're very engaged. Uh, those are the types that I feel very comf comfortable forecasting whether or not they're going to stay with the, with the organization. Otherwise, to your point, you get a lot of people who don't want to damage personal relationships and they don't want to deliver bad news. So they tell you everything's great and then you get a notice that they're, they're leaving. Um, one area that uh, I think I tend to caution as far as talking to customers is when you're trying to do things like positioning and messaging. And I'll, I'll tell you why it's a bit contrarian, but my perspective is that you have to be a little careful because your best customers are gonna be the ones that wanna tell you all about how you should go talk about yourselves with, with your next customer. The problem often lies in the fact that they're an outlier because they are your best customer. They don't represent your average customer. Uh, and maybe more importantly is because markets shift and the types of buyers who are attracted to a given company's offer sh shift over time as the early adopters are replaced by majority uh, buyers the early adopters who are oftentimes your first best customers are the ones that are going to tell you to go talk to your buyers and tell them you're going to change the world and it's going to revolutionize things because that's what they're interested in but you may be in a place in the market that is matured and now your buyer is someone saying, I need to buy something in this category to keep up. I want to make sure that I'm not behind, but I don't want to be first and I don't want to yeah. break things and I don't want to make things. Uh, I don't want to take that kind of risk, right? There's a very small pool of people who want to take risks and go first. And uh, yeah. so there's always the risk that, that person that you're talking to doesn't fit the profile of who, uh, you are who you have to sell to now. Um, so that's the only caution I would say about talking to customers. They have great ideas, um, but you got to make sure you're using it for the right purposes. Uh, if you try to use it, if you try to use it as a as a proxy for all conversations you would have with in market buyers that you don't have any relationship with, uh, I think you you can put yourself at risk, but there are definitely times where understanding what that customer wants is the best way to keep yourself from uh, losing that customer long-term. Yeah, wonderful. Um, what do you think about AI being used to research? Because you hear, I'm not sure if product-based services or product-based businesses do this, but I know that uh, service-based businesses are using AI to inform them about what their ideal client is in need of or, or seeking. What are your thoughts around that? Oh, man, I have a lot of thoughts around that. Um, first of all, if something is widely available to every company, it is quickly going to become commoditized and not useful to stand out and not useful to be able to uh, differentiate yourself. So people who are relying on it to say, who's my ideal client? How should I talk to them? What's the words I should use? Uh, the only real area I think as AI improves that you're going to get um, 
a competitive advantage or foothold is by first party data, data that no one else has, data you can't find on the internet because you got it yourself in a conversation with these live human beings who have who have varying tastes and interesting backgrounds and ways that they speak that no matter how good uh, AI gets, it's going to be widely available to everyone. And there's also risk that AI starts referencing itself, to be honest. Mm. Like that is a huge risk. Early on, AI is sampling everything on the internet and coming back with answers. It won't be too long before AI is then circling back with information that some other AI wrote and you're going to get copy of a copy of a copy. And, you know, anybody who's, who's old enough to use a photocopier knows that it gets worse every single time. So I think that the, the risk for a company that wants to, wants to uh, pin their hopes on AI being the driving force to their success is going to find that everything sounds the same. You're already starting to see this in platforms like LinkedIn, where some people are utilizing it to try to build a name for themselves, uh, and, and it's failing. There's, I've, I've literally sat on LinkedIn before and seen four messages come in in the space of 10 minutes, identical messages because they were written by AI, uh, different people, different companies, different everything, but the identical message that supposedly is the perfect hook that everyone's going to respond to. Um, AI is going to change a lot of things, but it's not going to change the way that people interact with each other. And you can't get uh, the nuance through an AI response that you can get from the conversations where you can say, where you can gather the information so that your buyer says, when you sit down, you start talking to them, your buyer thinks to themselves, this one's the one that gets me, right? They're the yeah. ones that understand me in totality, not pieces of me, not sort of an al- amalgamation of what all of the internet says I am, but mm. gets me. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, a, a lot of businesses are using, as you mentioned, um, AI to help them create their, their marketing material and, and, as you said, LinkedIn profiles and messages and so forth. But you just get a reiteration of what a lot of other people says, say and are, are saying no one can deter, AI can't determine what's unique and uncopyable about your business, your values. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Edelman um, organisation. They do... Mm-hmm a survey each and every year, the Edelman Trust Barometer. And one of the things that they have found out in 2023 is that because of all of the things that have been happening over the last several years, is that to develop trust is so important to consumers. In fact, more important than it has ever been. And it is it is um, completely changed the way in which purchases now make a purchase decision. They're far more discerning. The the purchase cycle is a lot longer. They are looking for authenticity, not something that's created, you know, by uh, AI, authenticity, competence, relevance. And the feedback is that many brands that consumers have been interacting with 
are inauthentic, they're not relevant and out of touch. And in its, I think it's very relevant to the conversation that you're having today too, in that how can you have a marketing message that speaks directly to the needs, the desires, the outcomes that your ideal client is looking for unless you've gone to the source and un- identified what that was and unless you, you know, if, if it's difficult to you for you to do as an organisation and I think what you're saying is you're going to get far deeper, richer information if you get a third party to do this for you and I think it's, it, it is something that it should be integrated as an ongoing strategy, if you will, as part of your business so that you can always keep ahead of uh, what's going on uh, because you are informed and the information that you have is from real data that has been collected, you know, from yeah. your, your customers. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting thought experiment to think about, you know, what AI could do. And especially when you, when you mention authenticity, I think that that's the most important piece. It's, it's, authentic storytelling. There's so much people have grasped that storytelling is a selling method that has historically worked. What they miss a lot of times is the authentic piece, which is yes. like, you, you can't just the stories coming out. Oh yeah. You know, that's just following the script. Right. But I tell you, organizations have the ability to storytell and to create stories that really are from, you know, the, the culture and, and, and can confirm, if you will, the culture and the values of organizations and, and buyers buy and, and invest their hard-earned dollar with companies that they know stand for the same things. I mean, that's what Edelman has also identified too. Can I ask you, and I know um, we're just about at the end of the time and we've just scratched the surface. So in a moment, I'll also get you, Brady, to share how people can reach out to you because uh, this is a conversation, I think, and, and information they really need to go and do further research and contact you about. When you are doing research and you're getting out there and you're going to the primary market, are there some key questions that you know you're going to ask because it is going to start the pathway towards deeper conversations? What can you share about some of the couple of questions that really should be part of that conversation when we go out to, to do some research? Yeah, I mean, there are so many different questions, right? There's so many different things to think about. From my perspective, it is it is context and use case specific, but I think what what you really need to understand, uh, a lot of it has been pretty well laid out by um, uh, by the by the framework of uh, uh, thinking about it in terms of what's the first what is the first thing that made you think I need to make a change, right? What how was the first thought that triggered that? Um, what is the uh, how how do you make the decisions that you make? Who are the what are the reasons that you would talk yourself out of making a decision? That's just as important as why you would make a decision. Uh, what are some of the values that you need to see to be able to make a decision? Um, and then ultimately, what is the moment in which you say, "I've got it. This is the one I'm going to go with. This is how I'm going to go about uh, solving uh, this." Um, this thing, right? In a lot of ways, it's a bit of a modified version of jobs to be done, which is a framework from Harvard Business School. But it is about trying to get past the easy sort of answer into the more uh, non-obvious insights that lie right under the surface. 
but as important is the fact that you have to be curious. You can't be the sort of person who's going to write down a list of 10 questions, ask 10 questions and accept the first answer and run off thinking that you know everything you need to know. You need to be curious enough to ask for them to tell you more. You need to be curious enough to ask why, to dig three layers deeper than the first answer so that you have not just the answer, but the motivations and the psychology behind it and all those sorts of things. That's the way that I think it's best uh, done is by being uh, as curious as humanly possible. That's what we, <laughs> Aggregate Insights, we hire for that. If, if they are curious, we can work with you and you can work here, right? But it has to be the sort of person that just always wants to know why, always yeah. wants to pass the easy answer um, the easy answer is often the wrong answer. And it's also one that if you just rely on and say, well, they told me this and run with it, that may be worse than no research at all, to be honest. Um, yeah. It has to be that next layer deeper um, that you only get uh, by becoming a bit of an expert in knowing when you have truth, right? When the authenticity from the other party is there is just as important and you and you get you can get real good at sussing out what is the easy answer and what is the authentic answer yeah so true i love those questions and here's why i love what you have said that you've got to continue to be curious and ask those questions that allow for the narrative to continue from the person to whom you're asking the questions. Because so often as consumers, we may not even know, be aware of what's driving our purchase decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so giving uh, or creating, if you will, a safe space where these great questions are asked and it allows for that, that conversation to continue and you just keep your mouth shut. Just, you know, <laughs> just every now and again, you may, may go in there but allow people to speak i mean that is gold isn't it it's amazing that comes out of people's voices and then perhaps if, if you are reiterating it back people go, that's right i never thought of it that way i mean right. you're not going to get that unless you're out there having those conversations with people right. and as you say you've got a team of people who are skilled at doing that and uh, so share a little bit more about brady about aggregate insights and how people can best get in contact with you Sure. You, well, you can uh, reach us at aggregateinsights.com, A-G-G-R-E-G-A-T-E, since it sometimes uh, goes over people's heads. They're not sure uh, um, even how to spell it sometimes, not a word that's often used. But uh, you can reach us there uh, also at the same aggregateinsights.com forward slash podcast. Um, we do have one of our values is really about democratizing the things that we do. We don't think it's really some secret that we want to keep under our hat. We share broadly. Some folks may use us to bring in an expert. Some may want to do it themselves. So we do have a win-loss uh, guide on that page that you can go download. Um, totally ungated. We don't ask for your email. You can just go get it and it will walk you through our process and you can adopt it as your own if that's the best choice for you. But we really want to be... Uh, evangelizing how important it is to take this step to de-risk uh, all of your business decisions. And uh, no matter how you get about, uh, go about doing it, um, we're all for it. So happy to share broadly how 
or I guess specifically how we go about uh, doing this work so that uh, it can make a difference. Yeah. And as we said, going full circle back to getting the sales and marketing on the same page, when you have been able to unlock, uncover the information from these conversations with the market, with the primary market, it's going to continue to be the data that informs the, the different teams. You know, sales would be happy because the conversations that they're having with people, the marketing team is having the right message that's attracting the right ideal client to the door and that conversation that can then get, continue on with, with the sales team. And, there, and from there on, you really can start to see that there is this trust and maybe even respect that is d developed between sales and marketing team. But the most important thing, as you said, you've got to go to that primary market, get the data from them. Don't rely on AI to do that. Go to the pay the web link that you just mentioned and see what you suggest. And uh, again, that's so so generous of you. Um, they may decide to, to try it on their own, uh, but if not, the information is there um, on how they may be able to work with you. Thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing your insights. Uh, and, and as we said, it's so important in 2024 and beyond, consumers, our ideal clients are, um, are demanding this. We need to be mindful of this. We need to be mindful of what is authentic for our business and that that is going to impact how we market, how we relate, how we engage. And uh, it's so important, more so ever now than uh, ever. So once again, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why? I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've Positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.